0: I'm Adam Menes, and I'm Peter Martin and you're listening to the you'll hear it podcast today we're gonna to give you some ideas on how to develop set lists cool you know I always have gigs coming up and I could use to get into these ideas so go ahead oh you want me to participate well, you can participate. I'll start, but
1: you can participate. I was gonna, because I was gonna try to be funny, but you messed up my timing. Now that's, that's okay. <laughs> I was gonna say, download a copy of Microsoft Word. That's your first step. That's how to develop a set list. I'm so sorry that didn't happen. Mean <laughs> the joke? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the humor part, right? Um, so okay, yeah. So this is a question. I think on the Facebook page, the Open Studio Facebook page. That's right. And um, thank you for that. Uh, Just a reminder, you guys can go to you'llhearit.com. You can do a voice question, which Mm -hmm. is kind of like an updated um, uh, voicemail system answering machine without the cassette. Uh, You can comment there. we got a place there, and we'd love to hear your questions because we've done, like, over 100 episodes, and it's going to dry up at some point. We're still cool, but keep the questions coming, right? That's right. Yeah. 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 Um, So I think that this, you know, about setlist, this is really, you know, begs the question of programming, you know, and how you put the flow together. Um, and, and first I think we should probably just talk about, you know, do you need a set list or not? Because I think there's some situations and I know, you know, for me, and I'd love to hear from you, Adam, uh, there's definitely times when we don't have set lists, but there has to be, um, you know, it's usually an ensemble that's placed together a lot mm-hmm. and then somebody's either leading it or there's enough kind of co-op thing that you feel comfortable kind of doing it freely based upon the, the either the venue and the room, knowing the different options. But you usually have to have a pretty big repertoire, and like everyone has to have the music pretty much memorized so you're not shuffling through pages. And that's a fun thing when everyone can do that because it's kind of like you're improvising the set list. But you still need to put just as much thought into just like an improvised solo as opposed to composing a, a solo. A, a, a composition, you know, you have to put just as much thought into it, but you have to do it on the fly.
0: Yeah, that's actually a really fun thing is when you have a band that's been playing together for a long time and everybody knows the music so well and you're in a really uh, great room with a great crowd that are super into it. Yeah. I love then to kind of feel the room out and decide what I want to do next on the fly yep. based on how I'm feeling yep. and how I think the crowd is feeling, what I think they're going to enjoy next or try to set them up as we go along. Yep. But in general, you know, if it's, um, if I don't know that's going to happen, uh, I like to make a set list. It, and, and that doesn't mean that I stick with the set list. Right. You know what I mean? If I'm feeling like it's not what, what's about to happen isn't what I want to happen. I'll definitely call all audibles and, and do pretty much all the time. But uh, I like to have some kind of, fail-safe of just like, oh, okay, if, if I just do this, it'll be fine. You know? yeah. yeah. Well, and I think, um, yeah,
1: I love that concept. I would say you pretty much always, except for the, like the most strict – kind of like programmed concert that would require it re- require it yeah. that there's always at least a chance for an audible because we don't know what's going to happen even within an individual tune usually like we don't know the length right and i'll find for myself even when i think i know the exact flow of this of the set that i want to do um we usually program more tunes as that's opposed to less because you don't want to be panicking like, oh, what are we going to do? So if things start to stretch out, which is good. I mean, there's usually a reason that, that, that they stretch out some great solos or yeah. just the moment requires it. you got to cut something usually.
0: You ever do this one where you, you're kind of like vamping at the end of the tune and then it, it's turned into the groove that's very similar to the next tune, but not similar enough that you could just go straight in? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah, and then you have course. to really think about like, oh, man. Why do we? Why do we put that one in three? This next one's in three. Like, right, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, yep. Well, um, I think that, too, if you are going to kind of go
1: without a set list or, like, with more of a general one, you, you have to have a really good knowledge about exactly what you're talking about. It's, like, the different keys that your tune, your tune possibilities are, the different vibe of them, how they start and finish. Because you can really – I think the transitions – between tunes, where where you have the silence, of course, maybe you're talking to the audience, maybe not. Um, but if you aren't talking, that transition is very important, like the length of it and what they hear at the end of one tune versus the beginning of the, another one. And some types of tunes in the jazz idiom you know the way that we play them they always end a certain way but some have that vamp or maybe there's a drum solo and maybe there's some possibility for variations so you don't actually know exactly how it's going to end usually we know how something's going to start right that we usually know but how that transition goes is important I mean you know we screw it up sometimes it's not the end of the world if you if you're playing good or if you have two tunes in the same key even they're both in three if it's good it's good yeah so only the transition is kind of like yeah
0: but most people don't know why so I think one thing that was mentioned in this facebook comment was you know maybe ideas for one thing would be like a, what tune what kind of tune would you start a set with or right. what, what kind of tune would you start a second set with i think that's right. a very intriguing uh question and something that i think about uh, on every gig what do i want to start with yeah because it's going to set the tone absolutely for the night you know you, you want to come out of the gate burning do you want to come out of the gate i mean sometimes i like to come out of the gate with a ballad even and i know yep. that seems counterintuitive I think for the
1: right room, the right audience, the right set, yeah, um, the right—you um, know—that's interesting because if, when you play a ballad to start with, that's probably the most obvious way to get people to lean in and listen. That's right, you know. And sometimes either the venue or the length of the gig or even the audience kind of requires that, or it maybe not requires it, but it would benefit from that. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's kind of more the situations I've gotten in when I when I think that there's maybe going to be a challenge to kind of keep people's uh, attention, Mm -hmm. that you almost have to kind of get them to lean in at the beginning. Um, And then sometimes the room just sort of feels like it wants that. You know, like the audience is really so hyped up to hear you that's fun like there's kind of an electricity yeah and then to kind of you know then you don't have to hit them with something burning you know a ballad can kind of be a nice way to take that edge off but also get them to lean in that's um, right and it's hard though because you know it's very easy to screw these things up you think you have a read on yeah. then you start you're
0: like that wasn't the best <laughs> so, so yeah starting with a ballad is that's that's pro level stuff it that's is right. pro level you, you yeah. got to have the confidence to pull that off yeah it does work probably better even um i would say the second set when you know they're it's a the same crowd right Right. you know what I mean Like yep. you've, already a, him, you've already yeah, yeah. got them you've already got them yeah and after that ballad to start the set you're gonna wanna hit them pretty hard after that I would imagine right you know. and
1: you know I spent a lot a lot of time thinking about the first tune and I agree with you I think that's the most important it sets the tone yep. and it's also like just like when you're meeting someone yep. um, it's not like if you meet someone they're kind of a, come off as a jerk you know this whole thing of first impressions—they don't necessarily last forever. But you got to work a lot harder to get rid of that. You know, so if you come off sounding like a jerk on the first tune, yeah, maybe people aren't going to leave because they paid already and they're like, uh But you're going to be working two, three tunes to turn them back around. Yeah, it's, it's your you. overture. It's your overture. Yeah, you're yeah. you're definitely setting it up. And actually, that's a good. That's a great analogy. The overture. If you think about that in opera, what does the overture do? It's usually like you know upbeat, but kind of light, introducing some of the themes that are going to come, but mm-hmm. nothing too challenging that's right and i like to do that especially at the first set especially if it's a trio gig piano trio because we don't have a lot of the bells and whistles of a vocalist or horn players and stuff and it's already a challenge to keep people's interest and i love to start with something that just is going to sound great that is not too challenging for the band that we're going to fall on our faces you know yeah and it's not too challenge i mean challenging enough for the listener. But, um to intrigue them and get them to draw in a little bit, but mainly just something that's going to sound great, like like an overture,
0: yeah, I mean, you know your safe bet on this is is, like you said, something that the the musicians are going to be comfortable on because it's also you know maybe you've had your sound check, but as we all know, when you put two hundred and fifty people in a room, it totally changes the way the room sounds, so you're going to have to adjust, maybe the piano is you know feels a little different you want to warm up on it. Um, so you know the, the thing you could think about. Safe, safe bet, and I think what most people think is like something straight down the middle. Yep. M- medium tempo, not too fast, not too slow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A hello kind of song. Uh, hello, that, that's a good one. But I would, I would not discount the idea of either starting the opposite of 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 any of those extremes of like you know a ballad or something completely burning um to start because that could be that element of surprise can also be your yeah. friend. For sure. And again, for a second, I think for a second set especially.
1: Um, would you get a feel for the crowd? Like, a lot of times the second set, I will... Well, I mean, it depends. If they're turning the house, then you have a totally different crowd. But you right. do have a feel for the room in the evening. And, I mean, we... You know, the main thing with... Cha- when they turn... When you're playing for a separate audience, the second set... You know, like second set audiences are different than first set audiences. That's audience. right. In most cities. They're drunker. Ever. They're drunker. They <laughs> they usually don't have to get up to go to work the next day. So yeah, they're either yeah. independently wealthy or they're broke, one or the other. Yeah, they're kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they usually have older kids. I mean, it's, I mean, it can be a lot of different things, but yeah. they're always looser. They're always looser.
0: You know, another thing I'm thinking about this as, we, as we're as we kind of getting into this idea of the first tune and and thinking about ways I've used this in the past is sometimes I'll use the first tune of a set not just to set the tone with the audience but with the band. Oh yeah. You know what I mean to tell my yeah. musicians like all right, you know what? Cats like we are going to go in hard on this set. Like get like hold on to your hats cuz everything we Uncle in- Adam is driving. <laughs> That's right. No, we are going to try to like go in really hard and fast on everything. This is going to be people are going to be like this is unbelievable the whole right. time. That's what I want. But I'm not feeling that all the time. Sometimes I want to come in and be like we are going to you know, ease our way in. Ease our way yeah. in. We're gonna this. This whole set is gonna be a whisper. You know, sometimes I feel like that about sets. Yeah. Too that like you don't have to do a, a huge range of. I think people think they have to do this huge range right. of styles and no. and colors and maybe sometimes you want to, but you can also, you know, you need to gauge how you're feeling. If right. you're feeling like tearing it up, by all means, you know, let it go, let it let it fly. If you feel like doing a whole set of lullabies. You know if you can if you can pull that off, do it, yeah, yeah know? absolutely um and i like I like your concept of the first
1: tune being for the band as well, because I think that is important it's like that sweet spot, I think on the first tune is finding something that's comfortable and um invigorating for the band, and that everyone's got something to play on so that they feel engaged in the gig, but is not too difficult that you could. You know have a train wreck because you're not warmed up or you know sometimes things with the sound if they're going to happen or like well for sure any adjustments you want to kind of get done during the first tune and you're adjusting to the room even if you sound check you know the crowd's there so it's different now so that's just a great time to really have something that the band you you know that they can sound good on be engaged and then that's going to work better for the audience anyway and i mean i've i've screwed up before on, on set lists by trying to have the first tune a little bit too tricky. Like we think we've got some tricky arrangement. Like yeah. don't do that because you're always going to be a little more nervous or uncomfortable or something funny is going to happen on the first tune. Once you, you you think you're comfortable, but you're never as comfortable as you are later in the set. It's going to set a bad tone yeah. for the rest of the set. Man, we could do
0: about four of these
1: uh, episodes just on this. Cause I'm thinking of a bunch
0: of stuff. So. Oh, list. That's yeah. a, it's a it's an art form in and of itself. Another thing he was asking about is a good place for a ballad, and we kind of you know just talked about you know the ballad possibility of set, starting a set. Yeah. That's probably like the. The rarest place you would put a ballad is yep. is number one. Um, you know, I my go-to is the ballad Second to Last. Yeah. Um, the penultimate yep. tune of the set, because yep. like the slowest ballad for sure. Yep. Um, because you've already kind of gone on this journey. You bring them down, and then, of course, that sets you up for a last tune, which can be very energetic. Big finish. The big finish big and finish. leave everybody this out of This is the circus. Here. That's all we're running. But right? <laughs> that said, I've definitely closed shows with ballads yep. You know, as the big finish. I mean... Um, the, my, my band the 442s one of our most requested songs is our sl- it's like an incredibly slow yep, you know slow paced song and, and we use that as a closer and it still gets you know standing ovations and everybody likes it just as much as we were in with something high energy you know? well and
1: that that brings up the thing like
0: I think because of the kind of venues you guys play with
1: that band that's a great like people are really listening the sound is usually really good you're yeah. playing in some kind of classical halls as opposed to jazz clubs yeah, that's true um and your type of audience you know you have that trust with them that they will be pleased with hearing all the little intricacies and the beauty of the instruments and the clarity of that that ballad i've you know i've I've heard you guys do it as an encore yeah which is really cool we use it as an encore too yeah um so i think that that's a very good use of of the right tune for the right audience, the right venue with the right group, because you always have to... That's the things that'll really decide these.
0: Yeah, you know, it's funny. It, I think that, like, where to put a ballad or where to put a tune, tunes are almost like, uh, you know, piano voicings, right? It's on their own. It, it doesn't make much sense, but what happens before and after? Absolutely. That's really like, Absolutely. the key of all this stuff. Yep. So... What I, mean, mean, I mean, I hit on it a little at the beginning, and I would just say a
1: practical way to learn that, like the transitions, like if you want to know how two tunes are going to work in succession as a progression is really think about and even play or maybe take some live recordings and put them next to each other because it's very much like how you put an album together in the order of tunes. Like think about how this song sounds and feels the end of it and then how many seconds there's going to be approximately before you start the next one and then what it sounds like you know when you start the next tune because silence is a very deep thing on a concert or a recording Mm. the amount of silence and what happens during that silence where there's no music happening but if it's like people clapping or if it's really silent yeah um and then what the sound because that's when people really lean in because they're like whatever you finished with that's still kind of ringing in the air and and that's the last thing people heard so that's there until you play something else do you you ever think do you ever think about keys oh yeah for sure yeah yeah. and i mean the general rule there is you don't want to hit two keys in a row. But I found that you have to kind of test that because you can get away with it sometimes if the vibe, you know, is is enough different, um, you know, the, the meter and the groove and yeah, that kind I, of thing.
0: I don't think as much about keys, but more about, like, kinds of chord progressions. Like, if I just played a rhythm changes with a lot of one 6 2 fives, right. I might not play, like, uh, It Could Happen to You, which has, like, a lot yeah. of 1-6-2, oh, you know what I mean? Like, yep. I'll, I'll, I might go to some kind of minor tune or something yeah. like that, even if it's in the same... Key, you know, yeah. relatively.
1: I mean, I, I really think the top level to get to, and this can actually be done in the set list or it can just be done um, as you go, kind of just as, as a free thing, is to, you know, it's almost like how we want to improvise. You get to the end of, the, of your tune and then you finish and then you just... Trust yourself to just open your ears up as much as you can. But, I mean, really concentrating. And, like, what is it that you hear next? Like, what kind of tune? Maybe you start to hear a rhythm or something, and then you quickly go through the catalog of available tunes and see which one matches the best. Yeah, yeah. You do that nine times out of ten, you're going to put a good set together. So you have to do this. The reality is, you. I mean, it takes... The perfect set of musicians having a big repertoire to be able to do this on the fly. So you need to kind of do it in advance somewhat, but you, you can practice that and develop that as far as developing a set for sure.
0: Yeah. I, I think that's kind of the key. If you're going to take one thing away from this, it's that there's not really like a set formula of like, all right, we're going to do a medium swing and then yeah. an up-tempo swing and then Latin tune or whatever. There's not... I don't think people at high levels are thinking like that at all. It's, it's about really... Being in tune with your repertoire and, and keeping your ears open, as you said, Pete. And, like, you know, if you do that, you'll hear it. Thanks for listening to this episode of the You'll Hear It podcast.
1: You can go to you'llhearit.com to get more information, submit a question, or just say hello.
0: Well, you can do that? Absolutely. All right. And if you like what you heard, please leave a review and a rating below.
1: Thanks.